Informed consent, getting to yes, is editorially independent content supported with advertising by Johnson & Johnson Vision. Welcome. I'm Marguerite McDonald of the Ophthalmic Consultants of Long Island in Lindbrook, New York, and this episode of the Informed Consent Getting to Yes podcast is a little different. I get to dive deeply into a topic with a single guest. That topic is the growing market for and success of femtosecond laser cataract surgery. And my guest is Dr. Poulin Shah, the medical director of Oshner Baptist Laser Vision Center in New Orleans. Welcome, Poulin. Thanks for having me, Marguerite. It's good to, good to talk to you. Well, Poulin, tell our listeners a little about your practice in my old haunting ground, New Orleans. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So I work at a, uh, a large multi-specialty hospital called Oshner. Our ophthalmology department um, is about 10 MDs and 13 ODs uh, throughout several different centers. Again, our, our population of patients is pretty diverse, um, and we have we we take all types of insurance and Medicare and Medicaid and everything else. So it's a pretty diverse population and a pretty robust volume because of um, our OD, uh, our internal OD network. Um, so that's kind of the practice. It's, it's based in a hospital. We um, we operate uh, in a hospital outpatient surgery center. Um, it you know I'm an employed physician, so it does have those you know kind of university slash institutional um, types of barriers that um, that are there for sure as far as access to lots of technicians and stuff and we're limited in what we can do but uh, even within that environment again I think good patient education and, and explaining things quickly and efficiently to patients can make a big difference in, in their understanding of the technology and, and their acceptance of it. And when did Oshner get into uh, femto cataract surgery? We purchased our femtosecond laser about five or six years ago. And in those five years or so, it's been it's been wildly successful. Uh, we did some uh, premium cataract surgeries before then, of course, uh, without the femtosecond. But once we implemented the femtosecond laser, our conversion to premium surgery doubled um, very quickly. And I think it was mostly because the femtosecond laser, the, the concept of a laser involved in cataract surgery is one that's very familiar to patients because of all the other technologies we have, because of LASIK and everything else. So. When people you when we use that word and explain how a laser technology can improve outcomes, patients I think understand that much easier and they're uh, much more accepting of it because it's just more familiar to them than talking about multifocality or whatever else or stigmatism management. Does Oshner uh, package femto with uh, premium IOLs? Yes, we do. And and the way I explain it to patients is that you know you have we can do your surgery in a traditional way. Um, or we can do fancy cataract surgery and fancy cataract surgery or what we call laser assisted cataract surgery is a whole host of technologies um, that are basically all designed to give you um, a better outcome so that you have less dependence on glasses. Um, and, you know, I typically try not to go into too much detail about what all those various laser technologies are because we have several different ones and we have different LIOL technologies, but we're going to combine these laser technologies with lens technologies in order to try and deliver the outcome that you want, whether it's good distance correction or good distance and um, some reading correction as well. So you have this wonderful internal OD network. Do you also have outside ODs who refer in? Not for cataract surgery, typically. Uh, we have all of our specialties covered, so we get a lot of subspecialty referrals. But for routine cataract surgery, it's typically um, only within our network. 
because you are known to have a really great conversion rate, Poulin, would you mind pretending I'm Mrs. Smith and, and sort of, you know, now that you've decided I would be a good candidate for Femto, and if you want to say Femto and a premium IOL? So first I'll, I'll start off by saying, you know, the, the way we do it kind of in the lane before I kind of use the words, but I think it's A, important, um, you know, to not try and confuse patients too much. You know, I, I like I like to have the information before I enter the room as far as their lens calculations, topographies, all the information that I need in order to determine if that patient is going to be uh, anatomically a good patient for, you know, premium cataracts, make sure their retinas are okay and everything else. So if the patients are good candidates, um, again, I like to know that going in. If they have a lot of astigmatism, that may limit some of my choices. So I'll get all the measurements and stuff preoperatively. So when I walk in the room, I'm kind of aware what my options are. And in addition, we have a patient questionnaire um, that kind of helps me to specify exactly what the patient's needs and desires are as far as distance and distance and near correction. So we ask them lifestyle questions about, you know, how they want their outcome to be after cataract surgery. And is it important for them to be without glasses? So walking in the room, if I have some idea of what the patients want and what the eye will allow me to deliver, then it kind of focuses my discussion so it can be efficient. So typically, uh, again, I'll walk into the, the room and introduce myself and, and explain a little bit about cataract surgery. And then, again, say that if it's time for cataract surgery, there are some options. There are some decisions that you have to make. Um, we have different technologies that can be utilized for your cataract surgery. Um, and some of them require an additional cost. So I want to go over that with you. Um, traditional cataract surgery is fully covered by insurance. But most patients still need to wear glasses after traditional cataract surgery. Um, so if you're interested in being out of glasses or reducing your need for glasses, we have several different options and we package them all. We call we use a term laser assisted cataract surgery just to explain all the different technologies that, that go into that type of procedure. But basically, you need to make a decision whether you want good. And if you choose these options, you have to make a decision whether you want good uncorrected distance vision. So you'll see well in the distance, but you'll need reading glasses for anything inside of arm's reach. Or would you like to see well in the distance? And also be able to see things like your computer and your cell phone without always having to read reading glasses. Um, so that's my first, the first thing that I, I kind of say to patients as far as introducing the concept of new technologies that they will have to make a decision about. And then the choice is distance versus distance plus some reading. Great. The, um, do you find that they sometimes are unable to decide? Or do most of them say, yeah, I want to see at these two distances? Yeah, I think most patients kind of, you know, say, well, you know, of course I want the, the best or I want to see as much as I can without glasses. Most of them do, but others also, um, some of them will say, yeah, I don't mind wearing reading glasses. I've been doing that forever. I just want to make sure I don't have to have prescription glasses. So a lot of it is preference. Um, and as I'm doing that, I'll also, I'm also point and, and use uh, our, our kind of our cost sheet, I guess, in front of them. So, you know, in that cost sheet, we have um, three different options and, um, I'm trying to actually we have four different options. I'm trying to limit it down to three. I always cross one out because basically we have the option that says at the bottom, traditional cataract surgery, fully covered by insurance. And underneath that, it says, you know, most people still need glasses there. So I'll say, you know, that's option one. Or if you, if you're interested in, in, in reducing your need for glasses, we have these two other options. And if, if they have a high amount of astigmatism, which I know, then I'll, I'll cross out just, um, you know, distance correction without a torque. I'll use a torque. If they have a low amount of astigmatism, I'll cross off the torque. So again, so they have just two options to choose from, either distance or distance with some near correction. And so as I go over that, I'm, I'm, I'm showing them the prices as well because I want them to be aware of cost. Um, and so in doing that, I think it, it kind of narrows patients' choices down to, you know, you got to make, there's a fork in the road and either you go traditional 
or you're going to go with you know high new technology uh, laser assisted cataract surgery and if you choose that path then it's two other simple choices distance or distance and near and by you know kind of breaking it down to those you know two questions at a time i think it's easier for patients to get to their their choices quickly and again they're already they've already got cost implemented into it so it's not a surprise at the end of the discussion oh well there's an, there's a cost associated with that yes that we like to bring that up at the beginning so that patients understand that from the get go do you ever get people who say, I want the premium IOL, but not the femto, or I want the femto, but not the premium IOL, where they want to just have one or the other? So we don't offer that as an option because I think that's tremendously confusing to patients. So again, we don't talk too much in terms of, 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 of technology, because if I had to explain to everyone what a femtosecond laser is versus an intraocular lens and the benefits of this lens versus the other... I don't think that a patients would understand it. I think it would take me a very long time. And, and I think it adds to confusion. So rather than talking about technologies in particular, again, we simply talk about outcomes. And I, I tell them I use the word laser assisted cataract surgery simply as a description of all of these technologies that we, we put together into um, you know, a, a package or we put together into a surgery in order to achieve the outcomes. So we definitely stay away from talking about technologies because there are Oftentimes, where I'll use or not use a technology, you know, on the fly. But our goal is the outcome at the end of the day. And so that's where I focus the discussion. And we don't talk about this laser versus that laser or, or, a, or a multifocal or, or a toric lens so much as distance correction or distance plus um, some reading. Like, for instance, uh, if it's a package and you get into the OR and you, they simply won't dilate enough for femto. Right. No worries. It's all part of the package, and you may or may not be able to utilize Femto. Right. Something may happen. I may not be able to utilize one technology or the other. Um, and so I want to make sure that I'm not restricted in that, and I don't have, I don't have to feel guilty if I, I don't have access to a technology or something happens in surgery where I can't do it. I don't feel bad about saying, well, okay, we're going to skip that, but we're going to use the aura. We're going to skip that. We're going to use this. You know, I, I have the flexibility to do that as long as I deliver the outcomes. And, the, the, you know, at the end of the day, the reality is, that, you know, we're not always 100% perfectly accurate for every procedure. So I also explained that, you know, part of the laser package is our enhancement, you know, guarantee or whatever. So that if I get to the point where I can touch things up after surgery and, and if our outcome is not quite what we expected, because sometimes it's not, we have the ability to touch it up. So, I, you know, I use an eczema laser. Also, and that's included in the package. So, you know, there are oftentimes where I'll use that laser and there are most of the times where I will not use that laser. So, again, there are there are technologies that, um, again, I try not to discuss in detail because I think it's confusing. We speak in terms of outcomes and, um, and we have the flexibility to use different technologies uh, in order to deliver the outcome. So the same thing goes with, with torque versus monofocal lenses. So I may, you know, anticipate using uh, a monofocal lens, but then intraoperatively, my aberrometer tells me, well, I need to put a, a, a higher power toric correction in there. So then I'll switch to a toric. And I have that flexibility to do that without promising a patient that I'm going to be using a toric lens or not. And vice versa, if, the, if we're planning on a toric, but there's no cylinder on the aberrometry, I may choose to put a monofocal lens in. And again, it's not about the technology we use. It's about the outcome we deliver. And that's, um, and that's my message. I think that's very wise. It sounds like Aura is part of the premium package also. Correct. Do you use Aura on everybody with a premium IOL? I do. And I do because um, I think that it's nice to just, it's an easy way to track my outcomes. And I, I think that's critically important for surgeons who are, you know, embarking on this premium cataract 
voyage is that, you know, we have to pay attention to our outcomes. And, and Aura for me, is just a, a very simple and quick and efficient software system and everything to, to, to help us to track our outcomes. In addition to providing, you know, information interoperatively and alignment and, and especially post uh, myopic LASIK patients. I think those are situations where um, I find the abirometry very helpful. I couldn't agree more. Well, and Pullen, I totally agree. It's better to talk about outcomes than go off in the weeds and if you go off in the weeds, you're stuck there for 45 minutes. Exactly. And, and patients don't really get it. You know, they, they, it's, it's complicated stuff. What, what I, I say is, look, you know, they're coming to you as the surgeon for your expertise and your expertise and advice and, and your recommendations. So, you know, don't push off that responsibility to make a decision 100% on the patient because they're actually expecting you to help them make that decision. They can tell you what they want. They need you to guide them in how to get there. And that's an important message for, for surgeons and for people getting the premium cataract surgery is your, your expertise is important and your knowledge is critical and they need to understand, they need, they need your input. So don't feel like, well, you know, I, I don't want to sell this. And so I'm going to push it on the patient to make a decision because that's what we sometimes do if you're, un, if you're unfamiliar or, or insecure about it. The reality is you have access to this tremendous amount of technology in the world today in a, a cataract surgery. You know, you pick and choose what you feel like is going to work best for you. But when you talk to patients... You know, try not to talk in terms of technology. That's your expertise. They know what they want, and they either want to wear glasses after cataract surgery, in which case it's simple, or they want to not wear prescription glasses, and maybe they're okay with readers. That's distance correction. Or they want to be as free from glasses as they can at as many, you know, different distances as they can. So if that's the case, then your job is to explain to them how you're going to do it and, and deliver those outcomes. And I don't think they really need to be bogged down with the details. That's your expertise. And you need to be uh, comfortable with the technology that's going to get you there and get them there to that outcome. Uh, Pullen, do you find, uh, uh, Ashner, that uh, a fair number of people want to finance it with Alfion or Care Credit? Um, yeah, we do have a fair number that, that utilize those. Um, Care Credit is the one we use. But yeah, I think a, a small percentage of patients do. I, I would have thought it would be more, but actually most patients... Um, who can afford it, you know, and these are patients in their 60s, 70s. I think a lot of them have um, saved up money for their health care and they plan for this. So it's not a huge um, burden for most of them um, to, to do it. And if it is, again, we we offer that and we help them out. We have our financial counselors who, who come and say, well, look, it, we can break it down to 12 interest-free payments over a year or 18 months. And that makes it really affordable for most people. I couldn't agree more. We have quite a few people who use Care Credit and Alfion at our place, uh, probably maybe even more than than um, in New Orleans at Ashner. Do you ever hand off somebody with significant ocular surface disease to your OD to tune them up and give them back to you? Um, yeah, we do. Uh, I think it's important, you know, obviously to do good evaluations of everybody. And, and part of that for me includes topographies and OCT and, and good uh, good biometry. But if in that process we find that it's unreliable or the stigmatism is hard to measure, or we look at the topography and see that there are signs of ocular services disease, or like I said, on exam, we, we identify that. Um, if there's challenges there, we certainly want to treat those first because, you know, we, we, we're again, we're talking about outcomes. And when, when you, when you, have something when you're trying to achieve an outcome you have to know what you're, you're what you're treating and if you don't have good astigmatism measurements because of ocular surface disease you know you have to get there first and so it's it's, it's not infrequent that we will put patients on a regimen ourselves and bring them back or sometimes if it's if it's more extensive i'll send them back to the ods for a couple of weeks for management um, we often try some basic stuff uh, ourselves and see if we can repeat the measurements um, a few weeks 
uh, before their surgery. You know, we book surgery far enough out to where we usually have enough time to tune them up before their procedures. And I just repeat all the measurements um, a couple of weeks before. When you're talking, do you cover any possible glare halos with multifocal and EDOF? Absolutely. So the keys, um, I think, to, to successful practice and happy patients are communicating openly and honestly about the, the pluses and minuses of the, of the technology. So that's critically important. And you have to be comfortable with that. You have to know what the limitations and what the side effects of each technology are, whether it's LASIK and you're talking a LASIK patient or it's premium lenses that are multifocal or an extended depth of focus lens. You need to be comfortable and know what the side effects are and be, and be, be able to explain that to patients easily. The way that I do it. Um, uh, I use a couple of techniques in the lane that I think help explain it to patients. I'm a very visual person, and I think you know patients are too. So I have a couple of photographs on my on my phone that I'll pull up or that I've printed out in examining that show a point source of light that's perfect, and then a point source of light with some starbursts and another one with some halos. And when I point at those images, you know I tell them this is an idealized you know spot of light which doesn't exist in our world, but you know. When you have a cataract, you typically have a lot of these glare and halo things. When we do your cataract surgery, your vision will be better and it'll be um, much clearer and more in focus. But there will be some of these aberrations that are still there. And I point to them. And I show them a picture of what I, you know, of, of what you know, we think the glare and halo will be like afterwards. So it puts an image in their head. I think with the image in their head, then it's much more, they're much more able to accept that, that possibility and that concept. And I also explain to them that these mild side effects after surgery are typically going to get better with time, um, just like the floaters that you have. So, you know, if I tell you right now that you have floaters, you start to notice them if you look at a white wall. But, but a minute ago, you didn't notice them. And why does that happen? That's because your, your brain tunes that stuff out. It becomes background noise. In a similar way, when you have some of these mild starbursts or, or halos around lights, you're going to notice them at the beginning because you just had surgery. But over time, your brain will tune them out, just like they tune out the floaters that you have. And, and most patients adapt to those things very quickly. So those are the words I use. And I think it's important, again, to bring, bring those, subject, those subjects up so that they're not surprising the patients afterwards. Um, I think if you select your patients carefully, though, and, and patients with significant cataract, um, you know, those side effects with our modern technology is actually much less than it used to be with early generation uh, multifocal lenses. So it's much less of an issue. And I think that some surgeons who may have been, had bad experiences in the past with technology should, should maybe come back to our, our modern lenses because the, the side effect profile of our, our current lenses is really, really good. And those side effects are, are really minimal, but I still, I think it's important to touch on. And do you, did you get the images on your iPhone that you show them? Did you get them off um, one of the IOL websites or? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a couple of different tools. That, one of them is the, uh, what is it called? The IOL counselor or something. I actually got it from Daniel Chang. Uh, I think he, he did something on his computer with uh, uh, PowerPoint, I mean, uh, Photoshop or something, and he created these images. So I had him just email them to me. But um, I think they are available around just, you know, any image that, that shows like a, a, a picture that has, you know, um, some halos around lights or, or something. And I, I mean, any kind of image that you can pick up from, from somewhere, I think is useful. Just again, get patients aware of, of some of these, Im, the, these pictures in their head, just so that they're, they're aware of it and they're not surprised by it. With such good pre-op information and evaluation, do you ever find that you're surprised and you just have to do an IOL exchange? You know, in, in 10 years of doing this, I, I've done maybe three or four IOL exchanges uh, on my own patients. So I think it's very, very rare. 
Um, most patients, like I said, with, with proper selection and, and, and having discussions about it, they, they do great. And, you know, the old, again, the older generation multifocals were a little bit more challenging, I think, for patients to accept. But in the modern era of extended depth of focus lenses and our current multifocal lenses, it's almost unheard of uh, for me to do an IL exchange. But, but when needed, you know, I think it's something that we should be comfortable doing. I think it's more common for me to do an IL exchange for refractive error than it is for uh, intolerance of aberrations. Yes, yes, I couldn't agree more. And I've also found that some patients, while they're neuroadapting, if they throw in a drop of alpha-gan P before they drive home at night, uh, that'll make their pupil a quarter to a half a millimeter smaller during the day and prevent dilation at night. And that helps them ease into neuroadaptation. Yeah, I think that's a great, that's a great tip, a great pearl. Alpha-gan P is a good one. But this has been incredibly helpful uh, for me and for our listeners. I'm sure we've all learned a lot. I certainly have. And Pullen, we hope you'll come back and do another episode with us in the near future. Oh, it'd be my pleasure, Marguerite. Thanks so much.